Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. I couldn't catch my breath. It was getting shallower and shallower, and I can remember saying to myself, I am dying. And then his blood pressure dropped. And I looked at the doctor and I said, what's wrong with him? His heart stopped. And he says, well, we need to intubate your husband right now or else he could die. And then we start doing the chest compressions. Dane Braxton's system was shutting down. It started as a routine procedure to remove a kidney stone. Now he was dying. Dr. Manuel Irigi was on duty in the critical care unit at St. Francis Hospital in Federal Way, Washington. He explains what went wrong. As it turns out with, with him, the antibiotic that he received was uh, not good for the bacteria, he was resistant. Dean's body went into multi-organ failure and his heart flatlined. Dr. Irigi's team worked furiously to revive him. Dean's wife, Marilyn, prayed. I did say to the Lord, I said, Lord, you said in your word that you've come to give Dean life and life abundantly. And I claim that abundant life for him. At times, the unit was in chaos as they worked to save Dean's life. But he was experiencing something very different. I wasn't afraid. It was like, I'm going home. Dean believes he went to heaven. When I first entered in, it was just bright. It wasn't so much what I saw as much as what I experienced. The first thing I perceived was everything is right. There's nothing wrong here. And I said, it's past peace. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible in Philippians, the fourth chapter, that says, peace past understanding. That's what's going on there. It's landscape, but more, because everything's alive. Nothing's dead. I don't mean just live like grass. I mean, it's intelligent. It can move. You know, it thinks. And someone says, well, that's way out there. It was way out there for me. You know, I'll tell you the truth. Dean says he felt like he was being pulled back into his body. Then he flatlined a second time. Again, he was in heaven. This time, he saw Jesus. The first thing that comes to me is he's bright, just like John says, he's brighter than the noonday sun. And the next phrase I say, I wish people could grab it, and it's this one and we can look at him. And what you're looking at is not so much the physical part of it. You're really experiencing the love he has for you. And I tell people it's, it's like he only loves you and no one else. I saw him communicating to angels. He would just look at them. Communication there was thought to thought. They would acknowledge his receiving his information, bow before him like this, and then back out. 
And it was like, wow. Dean admits he didn't want to come back. And I don't tell you the truth, I was happy. I was planning on staying, you know, and people always say, yeah, you know, didn't you love your wife and your children? Yes, I loved them probably more than I ever could. But I was thinking, you come here. You come here where everything is right. Then Dean saw family he hadn't seen in a long time. And yet, on the other side of Jesus was my family, my grandmother Mary, but with her were other relatives. And some I had recognized. I had been on this planet when they were here. But then there was generation after generation after generation after generation of those that accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior that helped to produce me on this planet. They came to greet me in, and it was like, God. While Dean was in heaven, Marilyn continued asking God for a miracle. I purposed in my heart that whatever the outcome, I was going to follow God all the way. After an hour and 45 minutes, Dean came back with a weak but steady heart rate. But the bacteria had done a lot of damage, and he had to go on dialysis. I did not think he was going to survive. I, and I, in a way, I, I told his wife that, you know, now well, we have just to pray and, and wait, because there is nothing else I can do. I believe in healing. I believe that God is a healer. And uh, I was trusting God for Dean's healing. Three days later, Dean woke up. He was so eager. We got to get people saved. We got to let people know about Jesus. Despite doctors' concerns that Dean's prolonged ordeal would leave him impaired or even worse, there are no signs that Dean even had a brush with death. He's the picture of health. In fact, the staff at St. Francis Hospital dubbed him the Miracle Man. It's a miracle that he's alive. There's no question about it. It is a miracle. Yeah, he's alive, that he's talking, that he has no brain damage. Uh, but but this, this is very exceptional because he was really, really dead for, for a long time. So what does a man do who's experienced heaven and still wants to be there? Dean says Jesus told him something that keeps his feet firmly planted. I felt like he was saying, I need you there, what did I need you here? And I came to understand then how important it was for me to complete what God had put me on this planet to do. The bottom line is, until I'm finished here, you know, and, and I cannot go back home. I tell people most of the time, I'm on my way home. Don't get me wrong, I'm on my way home. This is the pathway my father says I have to go to get home. Well, we're glad to be here, me and Marilyn, in um, Warren, Ohio with Joe and um, Gina. I gotta make sure I say it right. I always wanna say Gene and it's Gina, you know. Uh, we were brought here by good friends of um, Don and, I mean, Dan and Ruth, um, and we've been having a great time. Been here since Thursday, flew in from um, Washington State. We live up there, well, we're moving to Washington, D.C. area, but uh, we're in the process of um, going back to Washington, getting our stuff packed up and moving out in that direction. So I got one foot in Washington State and the other one in Washington, D.C. <laughs> so, but um, we've been having a great time. That DVD that you just saw uh, was produced by the 700 Club, and as Joe said earlier, 
You know, they said did six months of investigation to make sure that the story that we've been saying for the last five years before they did that was true. One of the things they got was they got to the doctor, Dr. Rigge. Uh, he's a critical care doctor. Uh, his job is to really come in at the most critical times to stop people from dying. And so he was actually in the room when my heart stopped for an hour and 45 minutes. This is nothing that we're just making up. The medical records say that my heart stopped for an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, was considered what we call clinically dead. That means your heart and your lungs are not operating during that time frame. The other thing that um, I like to always point out about him is that he was rated as one of the top doctors in the state of Washington. He's rated as one of the top 10 doctors in the state of Washington. And he's also rated um, the number one patient care doctor in the state of Washington. So when you see him speak, this is an expert giving you his expert opinion you know, he, and he puts it in a very medical term that sometimes people do not understand. He said the man was really, really dead. <laughs> I know that's hard to understand because medical people have terms that we can't understand sometimes. Because I thought you just died and that's it. I didn't know you could be really, really dead, you know. <laughs> but that's what he says. I always tell people it's very easy for me to prove that I died because the medical records say it, the doctors say it. Even one time, one um, group of people called the doctor to check up on me to make sure that uh, I was dead. They got a hold of the doctor, and he said, yeah, he died. That was the bottom line. Where I went is a whole different issue. But I got to tell you something. I was born again. I knew Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I had the Holy Spirit residing on the inside of me. I made a commitment to become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And so when this happened to me, guess what? I went where Christians are supposed to go. It is not unusual for Christians to go to heaven. That's what happens to us when we leave our body. Is that good news? You know? Before we go any farther, I want to read a scripture this morning. It's out of John, the 14th chapter, starting at the um, first verse. I use scripture a whole lot when I'm sharing this with people. The main reason is, is I'm trying to explain an eternal realm, a world that is not falling apart, and a temporal realm. Okay, and I need help. So I go to the Word of God or the Bible to help me because it is really a spiritual book written by the Spirit. And if anybody can explain spiritual things, would it not be God Almighty? So that's one of the reasons I use it. The other reason I use the Bible is because I'm in trying to explain it in the five senses. I can tell you what I heard, or, and I can tell you what I saw, but i got to use the word like a whole lot. Even when you read the Bible, if you go in Revelations, you'll read what John saw, and he uses the word L-I-K-E a whole lot. He didn't say that's what it is. He said this is the closest I can come describing in this realm what that realm is like. Did you hear what I just said? The crystal sea. I hear people a lot of times say, well, I experienced the crystal sea. I said, he said light crystal. He didn't say that's what it was. Did you hear what I just said, you guys? I can tell you what I experienced, but you've had to have an experience with God to be able to even grasp some of the things I'm getting ready to say. If you're born again and, and you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you've had an experience with God. Did you hear what I just said there? But I can't tell you what it smelled like. I can't tell you what it tastes like. The reason is, there is one thing that we have here that is not there. Death. Decay. Does not exist there. And whether you realize it or not, it's in the air all the time. And you just got used to it. You know? 
You really experience it when you go to a hospital. Most people don't like going to a hospital because they don't like to smell. And what you're smelling is decay or death. It is like when you go to a, a, a retirement home a lot of times. What are you smelling? Decay and death. If you go to the outhouse, what are you smelling? <laughs> decay and death. And most people have gotten used to that smell, so I can't tell you how it smelt there or how it tastes because of that. So I use the word of God to help me. So when I bring in the word, if you go back and read it, God will expound on it even more if you have the Holy Spirit residing on the inside of you. Is that good news? I tell people all the time, this story, what happened to me, does not prove the word of God. The word of God proves what happened to me. Somebody better grab what I just said. You know, I hear stories all the time, and people come up with all their stuff. And I say, well, it's not in the word. But that's what I saw. That may be what you think you saw, but it ain't what God was showing you. Somebody better grab that. You know? John 14, 1 through 6 says this, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there, you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right now, I want you to grab what Jesus Christ is saying to the entire world. Trust me. Everybody is going to have to leave their body sooner or later. Where are you going to go? If you're connected to him, if you're born again, if you have the Holy Spirit residing on the inside of you, when you leave your body, you're going where he is. That's what he said. I got to experience that because he said that's what happens to Christians. Not what I said, what he said happens to Christians. I tell people a lot of times it's past your belief system. Someone said, what do you mean? It's not a belief system. It's the way it is, whether you believe it or not. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? You know, and I have people out there all the time tell me that's your belief system. I said, you'll find out. <laughs> don't have to argue with you. Don't have to try to debate with you because everybody sooner or later is going to leave their body. The bottom line, us that are born again, us that are connected to Jesus Christ, we're going where he said we're supposed to go. Is that good news? The other thing that he said is he's the only way. There is no other way. He didn't say you can go this way or that way. We've got many ways. Again, people say that's your belief system. What am I going to say? You'll find out. Don't have to argue with you. Don't have to debate it with you. Jesus is the only way. And all Jesus is really saying, grab this. I'm going to tell you how to get to my daddy's house. That's all he's saying. I'm telling you how to get to my daddy's house. This is the way. Is that good news? And because I was born again, because I knew Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, when this happened to me, when I really, really died, <laughs> I went where the Father and Jesus said I was supposed to go. You know, I like to tell people a lot of times about dying as a Christian. And I really feel like one of the things that I need to do when I uh, came back is to start telling people what it was like to die. You don't have too many people come back and tell you what it's like to die. Am I correct? And don't pat me on the back and say, Dean, man, you know, you're such a great guy. I didn't even volunteer for this. <laughs> if I had my way, I would be there right now. Did you hear what I just said? Whether you realize it or not, this place got issues. <laughs> Lots of issues. 
You know what I mean? And heaven ain't got no issues. None at all. Okay, so you think about that. But I'll tell you the truth. What most people don't realize as Christians what Jesus Christ did for us when that moment comes upon us and what we do not experience. I didn't even realize it. It's in the Word of God. But I didn't really realize it. The first thing I came to understand after they had done the operation, see, I had a kidney stung, and I had a kidney infection, and they never went back to check to make sure the kidney infection was gone. So when they blasted the stone, they pushed the poison into my bloodstream, and everything in this body started shutting down. The first thing that really started shutting down was my lungs. I really suffocated, you guys. That's what really happened to me. And for me, that was the worst way to die. I almost drowned as a little kid. I jumped into a pool, uh, uh, a pool that was 10 feet deep, thinking I could swim when I, no one taught me how to swim. You know what happened, don't you? I started sinking. And I remember that moment that was traumatizing to me. I remember that, and I thought to myself, if I am ever going to die, do not let it be suffocation. And here I am, suffocating. I thought when that moment came upon me that I would be hysterical. I'd be freaked out. I would be, you know, out of it and going, ah, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord. But when I realized I was dying, you know what happened? Something opened up on the inside of me. And all of a sudden, instead of me crying out to God saying, help me, help me, help me, all I said was, I'm going home. You got to grab what I just said, you guys. When was that put inside of me? The day I accepted him as Lord and Savior. A lot of times we think we got to do this to get prepared, and we got to do that to get prepared. If you're born again, you're prepared. Is that good news? And instead of me getting freaked out and scared and everything like that, I had a peace, joy, and comfort come all over me because I was going home. Came to understand something. I didn't die. My body did. A lot of times people say, what was it really like to die? I said, I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> I left my body. The Bible says that. In James, the second chapter, it literally says this. Faith without, faith, okay, faith without works is dead, just like the body is dead without the spirit. Spirit's got to leave first before the body dies. You know, when I do this right here, it means pay attention, Okay. <laughs> That's all that really means. One means pay attention. This means really pay attention. Okay? But the bottom line is, you guys, that us that are born again, Jesus Christ died our death. And when that comes upon us, we leave our body and our body dies, but we don't. Is that good news? You know? I know some of you came here and you said, well, I really wanted to hear about heaven. I got to tell you how to get there and what happens first. You know what I mean? Most people think I'm going to go through all this pain and this suffering, and then I'm going to get there and be okay. No, you're going to leave before all the pain and suffering happens. Even in a terrible accident, you guys got to understand something. Even in a terrible accident, a car accident, people think people get killed, and then they die. If you're born again, you leave before it even happens. You know why I believe God has done that? So you can live the life that he has given you to live on this planet without fear. Because the worst thing that can happen to you is that you die and go to be with the Father and Jesus. Is that good news, you guys? We're free, you guys. We're free. He wants us to act like we're free. So here it is, you guys. I left my body. I went to be with the Father and Jesus. How long did it take for me to get there? To be absent from the body, to be in the presence of the Lord. Remember, I use a lot of scripture. 
I can't use uh, it's faster than the speed of sound because it was faster than that. I can't use it faster than the speed of light because it's faster than that. I have to use what the scriptures say. Absent from the body to be in the presence of the Lord. Faster than you can blink. I was there. Okay. But what got me wasn't so much how fast I was moving. This is what really got me. The prayers that people were praying for me and others were passing me by. No, no, no. Did you hear what I just said? If you were praying that day and gave me a head start, your prayers would have beat me there. Most of us don't realize how important our prayers are. God wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from you so much that here I am leaving my body to go to be with him, to be absent from the body, to be in the presence of the Lord. And yet the prayers that people were praying that day, May 5th, 2006, were beating me there. Is that good news, you guys? There were two types of prayers that were passing me by. One person said, how did you know? I just knew. Okay? They looked like shooting stars. They weren't shooting stars. They looked like shooting stars. Like, L-I-K-E. I don't want nobody going out tonight to see how many people are praying. <laughs> we do that, don't we? You know what I mean? I got to make sure. There were two types of prayers that were passing me by. You know, one of the things, I have a theological background. I went to a school called Welland Baptist University. I have a master's in pastoral counseling. I had built boxes for God. You know what I'm talking about. And I had great boxes for God, and I protected my boxes. And all of a sudden, I get to heaven, and he blows a lot of my boxes apart. But he doesn't go outside his word. Blows my boxes apart, but doesn't go outside his word. You guys hear what I just said? So here I am. There, there, there were these two types of prayers. The first prayer was within my box. People that were praying for me were praying in the will of God. In 1 John, the, the fifth chapter, the 14th and 15th verse, it says, If you ask anything according to his will, he hears you. And if he hears you, you have your request. I was okay with that. But that second prayer that was passing me by were people that were praying, and they weren't praying in doubt, but they were praying in the knowledge that they had. And God was acting like they knew everything. But the Bible says in Ephesians, the third chapter, that he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything that we ask or think. Somebody better grab what I just said. And I'm not saying don't learn about prayer. I'm not saying don't study about prayer. When I'm telling you, God is listening to your heart. He's a heart God. You know, one of the scriptures I like to bring out is found in um, Peter, the uh, first chapter. I read 1 Peter 3.12 says this, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. Someone said, I thought you were going to talk about heaven. you got to understand something. There's a lot more going on in heaven than just you being there. Did you hear what I just said? You know, most people don't know this. The scripture says this, that we are to pray for the laborers to go into the harvest field. Isn't that not right? You want to see your loved ones um, saved? Start asking God to send more people in their lives. Some of you are going to be sent because someone else is praying for someone that you're supposed to be talking to. Is that good news, you guys? God has a plan. He has a plan to save all of Warren, not part of Warren. Do you hear what I just said? And you don't believe that that's an impossible uh, type of task? Remember, he saved all of Nineveh at one time. Do you guys hear me? He has a plan. If you're going to be a part of that plan, you might as well get along, along get on his, his plan. 
I believe that this church is moving in that direction. Do you guys hear what I just said? He wants all of Warren. He wants this whole area. He has a plan. He has strategized. So here I am heading into heaven. When I get into heaven, everything there is glad I'm there. Everything. My wife said to me earlier, said, you didn't talk about how everything's alive. So I'm going to share with you about everything's alive. I'm looking at my time, but God is saying, go ahead and share this to you. Okay. You guys, I got to let you know something. Everything in heaven doesn't get you in. Only Jesus gets you in. I like to emphasize Jesus a whole lot because the flowers don't get you in, the mountains don't get you in, the streams don't get you in, the grass don't get you in, the angels don't get you in. Jesus gets you in. When I got there, Jesus looked at me, saw himself on the inside of me, and I was in. No, no. Let's go through it. He looked at me, saw himself on the inside of me, and I was in. He didn't say, how many flowers did you bring with you? <laughs> did you climb the tallest mountain? Did you swim the, swim the deepest sea? Do you understand what I'm saying? So a lot of times when I share, a lot of times people say, can't you describe heaven more? I could, but none of that gets you in. Jesus gets you in. When you get there, you'll see it a lot better than I say it. I tell people all the time. Some people say, well, I don't know if I believe that. That's okay. When you get there, you'll see it because Jesus gets you in. And you won't be coming up to me and saying, Dean, you were right. You know what you'll say? Dean, you were way short in really describing this place. <laughs> but everything's alive. There's nothing dead there. There's animals there. You want to know if there's animals there? There are animals there. Revelation, the fifth chapter, tells you there's animals before the throne of God, and they're praising him. Not only are they there, but they can talk. Did you hear what I just said? And the eighth chapter of Revelation, it tells you there's a bird flying around. It's talking. So there's animals there, and they can talk. The tenth chapter tells you the atmosphere is alive. Atmosphere. Someone said, well, what do you breathe there? You don't take your body with you. It stays here. It's your soul and your spirit that goes, and it fills your entire body. It has arms, legs, all those type of things. You guys hear what I just said? It's a substance. You got to understand. Remember what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, the 4th and 5th chapter. It says the things that you see are temporal. The things that you don't see are eternal. The things that you don't see are more solid than the things that you see. Is that good news, you guys? And you that are born again and have the Spirit of God residing on the inside of your spirit, you are an eternal being. You will live forever. You know? So here it is. The atmosphere is alive. The 10th chapter of Revelation tells you the seven thunders spoke. And it doesn't say that, that, that um, something sounded like it and sounded like thunder. It tells you the seven thunders spoke. And then John, ain't that right, Pastor Joe? You tell me. Okay? Ain't that right? It says that, that John was told not even to write down what the seven thunders said. That's the atmosphere, you guys. See, God is the God of life. He does not produce death. He produces life. Now, let's go a little bit farther. I know this is blowing some of your minds. The good thing about it, don't get you into heaven or keep you out. <laughs> Jesus does. Don't have to believe anything I'm saying this morning. There's things like this in heaven, and guess what? They're alive. I always think someone's saying, you've been watching too much of Beauty and the Beast. I know that. No, they're alive. The ninth chapter tells you that there's these altar or this table there, and on top of the altar are these horns, and the horns speak. The 16th chapter, 7th verse tells you that the altar says something. The 19th chapter tells you that the throne says something. 
It says a voice comes from the throne, and it's not God talking, it's the throne talking. You go and read your Bible, it's in there. So everything is alive. So when I came into heaven, everything was glad I was there. Not just the Holy Spirit that resides on the inside of you forever. Not just Jesus Christ, not just the Father, but everything. But everything don't get you in, Jesus does. Somebody better grab what I just said, you know. The prayers that were passing me by, they went to the Father. They went inside the Father. I know that's outside of our theological thinking. I used to think they fall down at the throne and they play bingo with them. Seriously, because of Revelation, you know, you read about how the prayers rose up like incense. But I didn't realize incense is what? Smell. God was literally taking in the prayers inside himself. The 19th chapter, I mean, the 18th chapter of Psalms tells you that David prayed and his prayers went inside the Father. You guys got to hear what I'm just saying here. Your prayers just don't go there and get, get gathered together. And then God says, okay, I think I'll do this one today. They go inside of him. Is that good news? And then when he answers his, your prayers, he answers his prayers or your prayers with himself. You read the Bible. It tells you that. The result, most people think the blessing is what we get. No, the blessing is God. The result of the blessing is what you see. You got a God that can hear you anywhere. You got a God that can answer prayer anywhere. I saw this. This is what I saw when I was there. And guess what? Your prayers don't have a shelf life. Some of you are in this room because someone prayed for you generations ago. Grandmas do that. You know what I mean? Grandmas get on their hands and knees, and they don't just stop at one generation. They keep on going on and on and on. Some of you in this room, because someone prayed for you a long time ago, and because their prayers did not have a shelf life, God answered those prayers. Someone said, where's that scripture? You go to Acts, the 10th chapter. When the angel came to Cornelius, he said, your prayers and your good deeds are a memorial before God. Is that good news, you guys? Some of you need to pray more. You need to build a bigger memorial up there in heaven. You got family issues. You need to really put a big memorial up there, you know? So here I am before the Lord Jesus Christ. I see him, and what do I do? I bow before him. The Bible says that. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. I like that song. You can only imagine, but I'm telling you right now, if you're born again, I'm going to tell you what you're going to do because the Bible said it. You're going to bow before him, and you're going to say he's king of kings and lord of lords. You're not bowing because he's making you. You want to. I went on my hands and knees before him. I looked at him, and I said, you did this for me. You know why I said that? Because the only reason I was there is because of what he had done. Did you hear what he just said? The only reason I was there is because he died on the cross for me. Not even my works got me in. Sometimes that bothers people because people think, I ain't I supposed to be doing all this so I can get into heaven? What gets you into heaven is Jesus Christ, period. If you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're already in. Some people say, when did I get in? The day I accepted him. I became an eternal being. You guys hear what I'm saying? So here it is, you guys. I'm looking at him, and I make that statement, you did this for me, understanding the only reason I'm there is because of what he had done, and not even my works got me in. Let me, let me help you out here, because some of us don't get this, all right? And, and, and sometimes I hear people say, but ain't we supposed to work to get there? Ephesians 2, 8 and 10 says this. You heard it before. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. 
And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works. Did you hear what I just said? Then why should I act this way? Why should I do the things I'm supposed to do? Because that's who you are. You are a Christian. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And everything that God has made acts the way it's supposed to act. And matter of fact, he has given us the Holy Spirit to even help us. Somebody better grab what I just said there. You know, we sometimes act this way and act that way. And if you didn't act the way he wants, then he says you can confess your sins and he will forgive you and forget it. Then you got to get back to work. And you want to know what your work is? To tell people about Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's all it is, you guys. Some people say, well, well, Dean, you must have come back from some great thing. The only reason I'm back here is to let people know that the only way you get in is through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. You know? So here I am in heaven. I say these words to him. You did this for me. Came to understand my good works is him working through me. Even right now, I don't get credit for this. Remember, I didn't volunteer. If he would have asked for volunteers, I would not be here. I'm serious. You know what I mean? I would have said, he ain't talking to me. Well, who, which one of you want to go back down to that planet? <laughs> and they got issues down there. I know. I've been there. I'll tell you all about it. You know? No. It's him working through me. What about your bad deeds, Dean? I heard there's going to be a day of judgment. He's going to open up a book, and in that book, he's going to talk about all your bad deeds. This is where we lose it. Hebrews, the ninth chapter, tells us that when he forgave us, he forgot it. So how can he record it? Did you hear what I just said? If you have a page in that book, there's one name in it, and there's only one name for you. It's Jesus Christ. He paid the price for you. So what else was I supposed to say when I saw him? You did this for me. It wasn't that you were John 3.16. I was John 3.16. Did you hear what I just said? The next words that came out of my mouth were, thank you, 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 thank you. I tell people I would have said it for the next 3,000 years. There's no time there. I just want to let you know I was not going to quit thanking him. The first thank you was for this reason, and I'm letting you know this, is because he looked at me like I never sinned in my entire existence. One of my desires, and I don't know if he'll grant this to me or not, is to stand by him as he looks at people for the first time and they see him look at them like they never ever sinned in their entire existence. You know what I mean? Because when he said he forgives you, he has forgot it. Sometimes people bring up things in your past. They ain't getting it from Jesus, he ain't got it. I'm just letting you know, there is one that's called the accuser of the brother and he got a whole bunch of stuff he wanna bring up about you. But Jesus Christ ain't got it, you guys. They ain't getting it from him. He ain't got a bank account on all your bad things. When he has forgiven you, he has forgotten. And matter of fact, he has forgotten in such a manner that that's the way he acts like you never sinned in your entire existence. Even right now on this planet, when he approaches you, he doesn't approach you like you're a big sinner. I better do something about it. He approaches you like you never did anything wrong. Is that good news, you guys? So here I am saying these words to him. Everything about me is thanking him. And when I say everything, it was like if I would have shut up with my mouth, my hand would have kept on doing it. <laughs> it was so glad to be there. And if my hand would have shut up, my feet would have kept on doing it. 
I know sometimes in churches you go to, you see people doing all that stuff. It's really their body and their spirit just thanking God with everything they have, you know. I, don't, I can't talk about it here, but I was there when they were praising the Lord, and I remember seeing beings or what, what I call redeemed people there doing everything they can to praise God with everything they had. I think the most conservative person here is going to be the wildest one in heaven. <laughs> That's what I think, you know. I looked at his feet, and his feet loved me. Came to understand that each and every person in this room that God has created love for you that no one else could receive but you. It's individually tailored made love. It's not a blanket love. He literally, I believe that he went out when I was created and created love for me that only I could receive. So when I looked at his feet, what I saw coming through his feet was a love that was for me. Did you hear what I just said? I hear people a lot of times say, well, I don't want to have too much of God's love because I don't want to take it from someone else. No, you can't. It's your love. And when he was looking at me, he was looking at me like I was the only one he loved, knowing he loved others, but I was receiving my love. Somebody got to receive that today. You've got to receive the love that's created for you. In this room right now, I really believe, Pastor Joe, if some of them receive it right now, healing would even come. He loves them that much that he wants to see them healed. I'm just putting it out there, you know. But I looked at his feet, and his feet loved me. Everything I looked at on Jesus Christ loved me. I looked at his hands, and his hands loved me. I had people all the time. I go to Catholic gatherings sometimes because people want to hear about heaven. I go Catholic, Baptist, Episcopalian, Presbyterian. I go to all those denominations, you guys. Even denominations I didn't know were denominations, you know. They all want to hear about heaven. And when you got that type of proof that you died, you understand what I mean? The medical records and the doctor, people open up doors all over the place. So I go to Catholic gatherings, and when I go there, they always want to know, well, they, where are the nail prints here? The Protestants want to know the nail prints here. I always tell people, ain't nobody up there trying to prove it's Jesus. <laughs> you know? It's because of the love he has for you, you know it's Jesus. And if you read your Bible, when Thomas came in contact with him that made that statement, he didn't even want to do it because he was in the presence of Jesus, and he knew it was Jesus because of the love he had for him. Amen. Read your Bible. It's in there. Everything about him loved me. One of the most fantastic things that happened to me that really impacted me probably of coming back on this planet was that my family, my family, those that helped create me on this planet came to greet me in. Those that were there in heaven came to greet me in. My grandmother Mary was out front. The reason I believe she was out front because I had a desire to see her first before anybody else because I believe she prayed me into the kingdom of God. That's why I believe, okay? What did she look like? She was shiny, had a big smile, and pure joy. The reason she was shining is because Jesus Christ was shining out of her. She had a big smile because she had no worries. She had pure joy. What is that like? The closest I can come to it is you that have had a child when you hold that baby in your hand for the first time. What kind of joy do you have? It doesn't last that long, but you know that right there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Us that are grandparents, we always got it when we hold our grandchildren. Ain't that right? You know? Someone asked me, well, did she look old? Did she look young? 
it's impossible to really describe someone in heaven due to the fact there's no time there and no one's getting old. Even if you say they look young, you're saying they're going to be old the next moment. Did you hear what I just said? There's no wrinkles. There's no gray hair. There's nobody on this planet that looks like that. Some of you think you look like that. <laughs> or you try to look like that. But the bottom line is, in heaven, if someone's there 200,000 years, what does that look like? There's no time. No deterioration. Remember I said there's no death there. Nothing is falling apart. One of the people that I didn't think would be there was my Aunt Barbara. I had Aunt Barbara in hell. I thought I had a list and I could check people off in my family who were going to heaven because I thought, man, I was qualified to do that. You know what I mean? And I had this list on the inside of me, and and Aunt Barbara was nowhere even close on the list to be referred to heaven. And there I am in heaven, and there she is, shiny, big smile, and pure joy. How did she get there? The only way you can get there is to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. When did she do it? I don't know. But guess what? I came to understand I didn't have to know. Jesus did. My job is to pray for her, and I did. And Jesus did the rest. He's the gatekeeper. Somebody better grab what I just said there. He's the gatekeeper. When I got there, there was no one standing next to him advising him who to let in and who not to let in. Is that good news? I always think the person that would be the advisor sooner or later, he would turn around or she would turn around trying to come in. He said, no, you can't come in either. You guys know what I'm talking about? You can't hide nothing from him. He knows. He knows everything. So here I am looking at my family. And it wasn't just my Aunt Barbara. It wasn't just my grandmother. It was generation after generation after generation after generation after generation after generation of all of those that accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They came to greet me in. Matter of fact, I just feel led to say this. There were four different groups that came to greet me in. One was my family. Another one was friends that I had a long time ago. If they had accepted Jesus Christ, and I may not have had any contact with them over the years, but if they accepted Jesus Christ and then they had died and gone on to be with Jesus and the Father and they were there, they came to greet me in. It might have been when they were two years old. Do you guys hear what I just said? The other group was people that I impacted somehow with the gospel. I didn't lead them, but something I did led them to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They came to greet me in. And the last one is pets. My pets came to greet me in. Now, I'll be honest with you, that was not my belief system. That was one of my boxes that were blown apart. Some of you out there, I don't believe that. That's okay. That don't get you in. Jesus does. When you get there, they come to greet you in. You'll act like you always knew it. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to be up there saying, yeah, you didn't believe this, did you? Is that good news? You know? God cares for pets. Genesis, the 6th, 7th, and 8th chapter, he tells Noah to go out and get some animals. The third chapter of Ecclesiastics, he says you don't know, or Solomon says you don't know where a man's spirit goes, whether it goes up. You don't know where an animal's spirit, whether it goes down, saying they got a spirit. Jonah, the fourth chapter, he complains. God comes to him and said, look, Jonah, there's 120,000 people in the city of Nineveh plus the animals. So God wanted the animals to be saved. Psalms, the 50th chapter, 10th verse says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. They really his. 
He just loaned it to you just to take care of. The eighth chapter of Romans tells you that all of creation is, is yearning for the redemption of man. I'm just putting it out there. You don't have to believe they go. That's okay. All right? That don't get you into heaven. Jesus does. When you get there, you'll find out. Is that good news, you guys? You know? Because I didn't believe. I got in. <laughs> you know? It all is about Jesus. I share this this morning with you because I just want you to understand that heaven is really about Jesus and the Father. If you take them out of heaven, you don't have heaven. Did you hear what I just said? Most of you don't realize it's not a place you want to go to. It's a person you want to be with. And that person wants to be with you this morning. I was in heaven when people were getting born again on this planet. Let me tell you what takes place in heaven. You've read it where it says all the angels rejoice over one of them that comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know you've read that in your Bible. Here I am on my hands and knees, and I hear this sound coming from the far end of heaven. Heaven is huge. It's not a small place. I tell people that if you take the earth and all the blackness, the universes that we have, and you put it in a grain of sand from the beach, that would represent everything there. But the beach would represent heaven. It's not a small place. It's huge. What do you think? God's going to make him a little place? Little corner over, you know, I would get me a little cabin over in the corner or something like that. You know the song, you know. He's God, you know. So here I am in heaven, and from the far end of heaven, I'm hearing this sound. And all of a sudden, I realize everything in heaven is turning toward the throne of God and lifting whatever it has, hands, leaves, voices, and it is shouting the name of somebody that just accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It is no small thing for a person to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It is a big thing. When you got born again, everything in heaven shouted your name. Everything in heaven shouted your name. Is that good news? I'm going to ask Pastor Joe to come up right now because there's some of you out there right now that have not made that decision. And I think it's time that you think about it. And I'm just going to ask him to come up right now and take it from here. Let's bow our heads and let's pray for a moment. I'm fascinated each time I hear Dean. I've listened to him many times on the internet. and Just fascinated. Impacted. And if you're here and you can't remember a moment in your life when you prayed and accepted Christ, why not make this that moment? I'm not asking you if you're a member of a church, if you grew up in church. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized. I'm not asking you to join our church. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day in your life when from your heart you said, Jesus, I believe you're the Messiah and I receive you as my Savior and make a decision to follow you. I'm not talking about rote prayers you may have prayed in a church, but a day from when from your heart you said, Jesus, I believe and I'm ready.
I grew up in church and never did that until I was 19. I had a man talk to me for three months, made fun of him for the first several, but then God opened my eyes up and I prayed and accepted Christ. And I was a church person. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here, you say, Pastor Joe, I, I believe, I believe Jesus is, is the Lord and I'm ready to pray and accept him today. Would you pray with me right now? I'm going to pray a prayer. You pray it from your heart. Everyone else in the room that has prayed that prayer, would you help them out? Say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe. I receive you as Savior. And I make a decision today to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.